You're listening to An Infatuation Side Dish, a smaller version of the pod where we talk about Asian things that we love. This is Curtis, and on today's episode, we'll be talking to Matt Allen about what it takes to start a CrossFit gym in Xi'an, China. Hey everyone, how's it going? Welcome to Side Dish number 10. Uh, I'm not sure when this one is going to air, but we may as well go ahead and say Happy New Year, little Xin Yan Hao. Xin Yan Hao. So we're going to, I don't know, this may be February. This may, oh, we'll see. Okay. But uh, the beginning of the year is kind of a time when a lot of people hit the gym and try to lose a couple of the holiday pounds. Absolutely. Uh, so I was thinking we'd do a little episode on fitness, but I was like, how can I tie fitness into the infatuation theme of our podcast. So I, I hit up a coworker. His name is Matthew, and he is uh, teaches with me here at Galileo. And we're going to talk a little CrossFit in China. So, hey, Matt, how's it going? Very well, thank you, Mr. Chin, for having me. <laughs> anytime. Anytime you want to come on the pod, let me know. Well, you say that now, but I haven't even started. <laughs> well, you'll hold your opinion until later. Okay. Uh, so we are in Galileo right now, which, as you know, is, uh, we have, did you know we have kind of three connections to the three big sports? Like, obviously, we have OJ. Yep. Right, our most infamous. Joe DiMaggio. We have Joe, well, yeah, mostly, I think his brother actually graduated. Dom actually graduated. Okay. Joe, I heard, was busy with other things. Mm-hmm. Do you know our connection to basketball? No. Hank Lucetti, the class of like 40. Mm-hmm. He invented the one-hand jump shot. Up to that point, everyone was doing the two-hand. Oh, the asymmetrical jump shot. Yeah. The now standard jump shot. The standard Wrist one. Wrist above the elbow. Follow through. Yes. Hank Lucetti, Galileo graduate. I got to look up the year. That's why we have Google. Hold on a second. I preach this all the time. I preach 90 degrees and then wrist directly above the elbow. But now you know a Galileo fact that that shot was invented at Galileo. Well, you better believe that that fact will make appearances in my future practices. <laughs> so thank you for bringing it to my attention. Speaking of practices, uh, we are talking to the women's basketball coach here at Galileo as well as the boys' baseball coach. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. How's the team looking this year? Either team. The women's teams have overcome multiple obstacles to be able to keep two rosters flowing. Uh, they're not making it easy on us. They canceled us last season. They gave us 14 outdoor practices. And at Galileo, we have one hoop. In a school for 2,000 kids, we have one backboard outside. Right. So they put us at Francisco Middle School, which is not far away. But it was a different school outside. 14 meetings was what the section, the San Francisco section, allowed us to have. Um, frustrated, to say the least, as neighboring counties and other districts were able to have... Indoor. Indoor games. Mask off. Dozens of games were had. Uh, so that was a tough one to hear, despite all the uh, equity talk and those who need those who need it most should have more. Uh, that was a tough moment for a team and the coach. And then this year we're getting the momentum started again. And JV's having a good season, a couple new freshmen. And varsity, what we lack in athleticism, we make up for in character. <laughs> You know, they, they shake hands like no one else. They, they They're just really positive. Energy's good. Um, a lot of the players maybe didn't expect to be varsity athletes. Um, so pros and cons with that. You know, it's a lot of positive inflections, a lot of growth. Um, but also they're faced with things that they were not prepared for and that I did not have time to prepare them for. Yeah. So it's all good, man. 
All right. Every game is a victory. <laughs> the, just being out there is the Every victory. Every game is a victory. All right. We'll take it. We'll take it. So let's talk about you for a second. Grew up in San Francisco. That's right. Uh, Lowell High School. Lowell High School, 04. Uh, baseball and basketball. Four years of each. Did you think college? Could you have gone to a junior college and played a little? If I knew what I knew now, I would have been more creative with uh, my application, trying to find a sport fit. Uh-huh. Um, but as the eldest son and having gone to Lowell and having always a lot of emphasis on academics, uh-huh. I just went to the best school that I got into. Um, so I went to UC Santa Barbara. I tried out there and didn't make it. Uh-huh. Um, but had a great experience doing intramurals and played basketball all the time. And my best friend from college was the best player on the team. Oh, okay. So we were able to work out and I got a lot of rebounds for him. <laughs> he got many rebounds for me. So I was able to keep the game growing, and then uh, I'm sure we'll get to it. But when I moved to China, I was able to keep playing there. So, yeah. you know, it's only uh, mistakes, just opportunities to learn. So is that what, that's what got you to China? You graduate Santa Barbara, and then what? Um, moved home, substitute teacher, and worked at a nonprofit for a year and a half. And then big fork in the road, I was going to get my teaching credential in 2010, or... I'd want in college. I'd wanted to move away and teach and just learn new language. And I always knew I was Chinese. Like you know, my mom is Chinese. My grandma's Chinese. We do Chinese things, but I don't speak it. My mom can speak it, but can't write it. And so it was kind of a you know an abbreviated version of being Chinese. Um, so went out to Xi'an, China, in September of 2010. Wanted to go somewhere where the foreigners were less numerous. Okay. Yeah. Um, Northwest China. Culturally, the Northwest. Geographically, right smack dab in the middle. Uh But uh, for all you China watchers out there, you know that all the people live on the eastern third. Right. And that the West is, you know, much more sparsely populated. So for Chinese people, it's the West, but it's right right in the middle of the country. Yeah, yeah. And famous for? So many things. Famous for the home of 13 dynasties. The Terracotta Army. Yeah, everyone knows it for that. Uh, the noodle, the food. Right. One of the main attractions is the Muslim Quarter within Xi'an. Xi'an was the first city to a million people. Was it? Major metropolis during the Tang Dynasty, the heyday. And a large part of its success was being one of the western anchors of the Silk Road. So they have this kind of uniquely... Uh, open-mindedness compared to other Chinese cities where they know that being an international place is good, is a good thing. Uh, Many people got wealthy. Uh, The Muslim quarter is still inhabited by that ethnicity, the the Hui people, I believe. So they're not as... I mean, they still are shocked to see foreigners, like most emerging second, third tier Chinese cities. Um, But they have this amazing... And now it's, you know... We're talking the 600s to the 900s is the Tang Dynasty. Yeah. So even over a thousand years later, uh, there's still kind of a positive lean towards internationalism and how that plays a big role in cosmopolitanism. Yeah. I mean, being on the Silk Road, I guess they've always had yeah. that presence from Europe. Let me look at the population here. Population now, do you, you want to take a guess? Uh, so Xi'an was just locked down for 26 days, which was getting the you know news from the on the ground from my wife and her family was crazy. Um, but they had 13 million quoted in the New York Times, but I think it's more closer to nine or ten in the actual urban core. And then it spreads a little bit. Yeah, yeah. 
And 10 times bigger in San Francisco, both in population and in area. <laughs> yeah. So you, you packed up and you said, I'm going to go to China mm -hmm. and you're teaching English? Yep. Found a job at the English Center, like many foreigners who make the trip out there. And you had never taken Mandarin? You took Mandarin at Lowell? Or? None. Okay. None. I did uh, three years of Latin at Lowell. Right. And three years of Latin at Santa Barbara for my classics major. You have Dr. Nagara? Who do you have? I did have Dr. Oh, Nagara. Jeez. Shout out Dr. Nagara. Doc. Benito Nagara. Doc Nag. All right. If you're yeah. listening, Benito, the love of language is continuing. Did you ever arm wrestle him for a grade? No. He used to offer us, if you could beat him, you get an A. Maybe I caught him at the... Uh, Towards the end of his little, career. Yeah, he wasn't feeling so frisky in, the, uh, yeah, in the 2000s. I'm, I'm at least 15 years, 18 years older than you. So yeah. Uh, yeah, packed up. My goal was to move there before 25. So I got there right before I was 25. Had found a job um, from here, like while I was still home. Bought a one-way ticket. I remember very vividly buying this one-way ticket. SFO to XIY was, uh -huh. the, was the airport code. Um did the first year of the English Center. It was great. Just busy all the time. A lot of reps, a lot of people, a lot of learning about the people there. And then my second and third year there, uh, I worked at a Chinese university, a Xi'an University, Xi'an Foreign Studies University, Xi'an Waiguo Yudashue, which was awesome. Uh -huh. um, I got to live in the teacher dorm, and it's a language school. Yeah. So there were four Japanese, two Russians, an Italian couple, Five women from Cuba, <laughs> two people from Spain, uh, a dozen Americans. Uh -huh. They had this really interesting exchange program between this university and BYU. Okay. So BYU, oh, would, Mormons? <laughs> BYU would find and train retirees, Mormon retirees, who would go out for one or two years. So that was awesome just to like yeah. learn more about your own country. Did that for two years. It was an exchange program where they were receiving Cal State credit because the students would be with us freshman year go to Cal State Humboldt for two, and then come back for their senior year in Xi'an. Yeah. And somewhere along the line, you meet your wife? First year, met my wife. Yep. All right. Tina. Shout out, Tina. Shout out, Tina. Is she, she's local. She's local Xi'an? From Xi'an. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. And now, all this time, you're playing sports, you're working out. What are you doing? You're using the school gym, or what are you doing? Uh, a lot of basketball on the university campus, playing in some foreigners versus Chinese tournaments, <laughs> which is super fun. Yeah, a French, me, a French guy, a couple Kazakhs, <laughs> and a brand of ball I'd never played before. <laughs> the brand of ball in outdoor China is interesting because it's all half court, four on four to five buckets. Okay. They don't run and gun. No three-point line. It's a scrum. You know, you, there's a lot of people, so it's better <laughs> to have 16 on one court rather than 10 playing full court. Okay. And so I'd repeatedly, you know, plead and lobby and bully people into playing a little bit of full court before they played half court. But those in-between game SIGs may have been an obstacle. You know, you, you get five buckets, you spark half a SIG, winners are still on. So that was challenging. And then the game just kind of has a black hole in the paint yeah. it just gets more compacted because you're so close and i tell i speak this to my players now don't sacrifice proximity for comfort <laughs> if you got a six seven foot shot you like you, you can take there. it yeah. don't need to get five feet to be contorted with seven other people yeah yeah um nothing superficial just uh the local university circuit yeah yeah um and that's kind of how people work out in china right is like there's big parks big open spaces yep at 6 a.m., you get the Tai Chi going. A lot of Tai Chi. A little Kung Fu. A lot of like uh, s simple 
fulcrum machinery out oh, there. Oh, yeah, the little levers. If you've seen them uh, sprinkled upon uh, Sunset Boulevard, Sunset Boulevard <laughs> a lot of that everywhere. Yeah. And uh, there's actually a big movement of... So Chinese have to retire at right. 55. 55 yeah, yeah. And women's, I think, is 53, maybe 52. Yeah, so I'm almost there. Yeah, you're right there. In China. <laughs> um, but people will not work out throughout their life, retire yeah. in their 50, 52, 3, 4, 5, hit the park, go for three hours a day. Yeah. And by the time they're 56, 7, are doing amazing things. Huh. And it's just a really cool affirmation of what the body's capable of. You know, if you're there for three hours a day and eating good and sleeping well and going to the gym early, you can be 55 and yeah. turn into a, you know, 99th percentile athlete by the time you're 60. There's a dude, uh, you know, the pull-up bars down there on Bay, you know, as you're making that corner turn. Right. And he's he looks like he's 60-something Chinese dude. Military pants, no shirt. Yep. And he's doing the, the pull-ups to the waist, flipping over. Yep. Yeah, he's doing all the somersaults. Yep. He's doing the walk-up. <laughs> he's walking up the pull-up. They, they got some amazing moves. And amazing gear was awesome, too. They have, like, the uh, the knit gloves. They're not, like, the neoprene, like, kind of, like, bike-riding gloves. No, they're, like, art. shucking oyster kind of gloves, yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> okay. And they're just going around and around and around <laughs> and flipping, and then someone else hops on. And, yeah. And the cigarettes are still there. They're just being now combated by gymnastics wow. and a lot of healthy stuff. All right. Yeah. All right. So you're there, you're married, and you're thinking to yourself, okay, I've been here four or five years in Xi'an, and what Xi'an really needs mm-hmm. is a CrossFit That's gym. what they need. <laughs> yeah. I mean, did anyone come up with that idea with you, or was that just really like, you know what? Well, I'm glad you asked, Mr. Chin. <laughs> Uh, I'm home visiting some family. Teen and I are home visiting family. We are, I think, about to get married, soon to be married. And we visit Santa Cruz, where my good friend Daniel Jahungard. Okay, shout uh, out Daniel. At the time, is running CrossFit West. And CrossFit is from Santa Cruz area. So he's got one of the better known gyms, and he's a respected coach in the community in the area where this thing is gaining momentum. So we go, get in the workout, go visit him, and uh, Tina, it just really strikes Tina. It's just a really interesting looking space that she'd not seen before. Now, does she work out at all, or is she athletic? She is the all-time leader in points, rebounds, and blocks at the Xi'an Conservatory of Music Intramural League. Get out. So when the strings play the woodwinds, <laughs> she's... She balls up. <laughs> she racks up quite the stat line. Okay. Uh, loves basketball. Um, so it's a big, huge room. And they've got the rigs, the squat racks, the pull-up bars are all in these like jungle gym looking rigs. Like the tires laying around. Tires, ropes, Heavy and ropes. then all the stuff's kind of on the side. So it's just like a big open space, a pro training facility. And so we were both in flux. We had moved to Beijing. She was working in hospitality. I was working in education. And it was time to do something that we really both wanted to do. <clears throat> and so she had a great time at this gym. We were having, you know, we were... It was a really special place. Daniel's made an amazing community, an amazing gym down there. Um, and she was like, we should bring this to Xi'an. And knowing Daniel very well and being a coach and talking to him about how difficult this was, I was, I was not all in initially. I was like, I'm not sure anyone knows how hard it would be to open a CrossFit gym. It's a tough sell. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you've done it as, a, as an athlete. You've done CrossFit. No. At uh, this time, no. I, I had done... I'd worked out with Daniel. I'd gotten the broad strokes, but Actually, I hadn't... 2010 re- was early for CrossFit. That's... This is now no, 15, 2014, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So, 
Still a little early. I though. don't know how I allowed her to convince us this was the plan. <laughs> but we trained at Lincoln High School where Coach Doherty, he's the track and football coach out there, runs an awesome hassle-free weight room club. Huh. And so there's many parts of CrossFit, but that was the part I was really missing was weightlifting technique, huh. um, clean and jerk and snatch I had not done before. You're more aerobic stuff. Yeah. I'd cleaned. <laughs> Shout out Coach Gam at Lowell High School. He taught me how to clean in 2002, and it put six inches on my vert. So I'd spent some time in the weight room, but not this like Olympic style, very technique heavy stuff. So my brother... Um, Spent a lot of time with me working on my technique, the programming. It's called programming, how you organize the, the workouts to get these lifts up. Spent five weeks there. It was tough. Just changing how your body accepts and receives weight. Um, you do a CrossFit class here, a weekend, a weekend class. You take a test. You get certified to be a level one coach. You take that level one coach and you can apply to be an affiliate. And so we opened up. Again, I tie it to my birthday a lot. So my goal was to open the gym before I was 30. So on the week before my 30th birthday in 2015, we opened up Flying Tiger CrossFit, which is the first CrossFit in China's Northwest, yeah. as I've said a bunch of times. And it was, it was an outrageous next, it was a sprint, big sprint in the next year and a half. So just to back it up a sec for those of you who don't know CrossFit, you've seen it, right? It's people minimal equipment you know maybe a maybe a big tire flipping not a lot of machines right not a lot of machines you'll have barbells medicine balls yeah I'd, I'd put it into three categories there's gymnastics weightlifting and other so a lot of what you'll see is the gymnastics part the kipping pull-ups the ring the ring muscle ups where you get on the ring pull up into a dip the clean and jerk and snatch and then a lot of functional fitness, boxes, kettlebells, burpees are big. Um, Heavy stones. I've seen the people flipping stones over bars and stuff. Yeah, the idea is that you prepare your body for the known and unknown. They have the CrossFit Games, which have been rolling on, and those, are, those people are just an incredible accomplishment of what the body can do. Um, but pitching it to a Xi'an Chinese audience, yeah. you make some you make some localizing adjustments there. Now, were there other were there kind of like a twenty four hour fitness type club? So the yeah the 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 landscape at the time was twenty four hour fitness, big gym, tons of machines, treadmills, bikes, yeah. tons of machines, handsome people in polo shirts, <laughs> and it makes total sense as I reflect. You know, you can you can just buy it. And then charge people for a yearly membership, sell as many memberships as possible, and hope that there's not too many people there at one time. Yeah. And the coaches don't have to do much except they're kind of like valets in China. It's totally different. They give you a cup of water, hot water. They'll bring you a towel. They'll give you some pointers. You're kind of talking as you're going, but not a ton of kinesiology, physical therapy, yeah. undergraduate opportunities yet. If you're good at school, you don't go work at a gym in China. You go do science and tech and computers, and there's not quite that appreciation for the manual labor, the in-person talent required to really help someone get the most out of their body. So there are oftentimes people not from the city who are getting their first, second, third job in the city. It's kind of an entry-level job for a uh, man or woman with a good yeah. haircut. <laughs> so you open up, 
and uh, you're just advertising around the, the town. You're just kind of trying to get on the newspaper, radio. What are you trying to do? Yeah, so Tina's running all the business development. I'm doing all of the coaching. And really proud of the effort. Super grassroots to start. Friends, yeah, so this family. is a full-time gig for both of you. At this yeah, point. Okay. all in. Friends, family, cousins, neighbors, anyone we know. The location is right next to Tina's parents' house. <laughs> okay. And we got this location because this this room, this large room, this 230 square meter space is attached to the factory where Tina's dad worked for 30 years. Okay. The factory makes the cylindrical bases for satellites. Oh. So it's like a communist work unit. There's the big factory. Okay. All the apartments are adjacent. And there was this like half underground space that was empty that he helped us bang out uh, a little lease there. Yeah. So one student at a time, two at a time, uh, get some enthusiastic young people who like to work out, have been to these other gyms and feel like this is much different. Um, it was a tough, you know, what I said to you was part of the explanation of, it's a totally different business model. Like we're not trying to sell as many memberships as possible. Right. There's six, five, six classes a day, 12 to 15 per class makes sense. So I, at most, want 70, 80 people here in a day. Yeah. Um, you got to book your class, which was a, a barrier. You can't just show up whenever you want. There's open gym times, but people weren't joining to have an open gym. They wanted to yeah. have a coach, have a teacher, have a class. And we kind of stumbled into like this third space area of society uh. where people live in these big, huge 25-story apartments. They go to their office, which is pretty minimal. Um, and the third space was all skewers or food or restaurants or karaoke yeah and it became like a clubhouse yeah so really slowly one two three at a time these are young folks these are 20s 30s 40s yeah a pretty good mix um tina being in charge helped with the female signups um she's a pretty forward-thinking female from that time and place so they felt empowered to have a strong woman who is embracing that side of you know her strength Uh, a couple students um, a bunch of like 48 to 52 year old men who right. had made some good money and to about make, to retire <laughs> to make that money they had to do a lot of whining and dining big common denominator as China began to you know yeah people got out of poverty went to the city urbanized a lot more disposable wealth it was just a ton of a ton of whining and dining 2000s yeah and people's bodies you know took a took a tax cigarettes my favorite Chinese like social thing is when a man grabs seven cigarettes out of a box and then hands one out to seven friends at a time and just people been doing this for 20 years and need something new and this was interesting because it's not anything new curriculum wise like they have an amazing history of health taking uh-huh. care of your body uh-huh. um, people get massages like haircuts people do cupping like haircuts it's just part of the regiment um, but it had this you know modern western facade on it you know new vocabulary new movements new way to organize all the stuff now you're teaching in mandarin these you're coaching in mandarin yeah so i this i've been there for four years and you know this really is this is really is what you need to blast through that plateau of language you get comfortable so having to teach in the language yeah and sell it and own it yeah and not guess at what i was saying all the time but even if it's wrong just at, le- at least you can communicate what the expectation was um, so teaching classes in Mandarin, um, and then was able to train 10 coaches. 
okay. which is kind of like one of the really cool proud proud moments and there these were former members or current members uh, a couple members turned into coaches a couple people who had seen crossfit in beijing or shanghai uh. and now they're from this area and realize that now there's a gym here a couple uh coaches from beijing shanghai came to visit and there was this moment of like crossfit tourism within a pretty tight community you know <laughs> you go to hangzhou you visit the west lake and you go work out the gym they have there you know you go to xi'an you go to the muslim quarter eat all the noodles and then you get a workout in a flying tiger um and we should get into like the the business side of it which was crazy but uh yeah 10 coaches i was hoping it'd be more of a unified effort but you know like the the trust in society isn't quite isn't quite what okay. you would hope right. and so there's a lot of splintering a lot of like now i know what to do i can open my own all kinds of crazy stuff there um but there was a moment when we had 12 12 coaches really working out hard every day to get comfortable with all the modalities and the way you can organize class curriculum a lot of it was like teacher training stuff yeah and now uh, you know three four five have gone to open up their own gyms okay i'm like the popovich <laughs> of western china crossfit there's a there's a, there's the a coaching there's tree, a tree. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so let's get into business a little bit. So you're like, all right, this is, we got people coming in. Mm -hmm. The money starts rolling or trickling in? Uh, not rolling, but you can see that if we get this many people at this location, if there's this many people interested. With the two of us working, yeah. <laughs> with, the, with the number of classes we've offered. Uh, the whole thing is that it just moves so fast in China. It's just uh. such a strike while the iron's hot mentality. And so... In the eighth or ninth month, we'd already scouted out this second location. Amazing facility. So we were on the, just outside the th east third ring road. And a little farther east was a gym that had closed. And the nephew had been to our gym once or twice, brought his uncles. And they wanted us to just design, open, and then open a branch of our gym with their people at this location. Sort of like a franchise then. So. Yeah. So this was a uh, flying tire CrossFit Chan Ba is the is the neighborhood, but they had a pool, they had an outdoor pool, uh, which was kind of unheard of. Yeah. Um, so we had staffing. We've been training up these 10, 12 coaches. So we had the people. Uh, they did the same thing over there. One friend, one person at a time. A local school, the local neighborhoods. Um, and no one was actually ready to coach these classes or lead these classes. But like what I say is. You can't wait till you're 100% ready to do it. You'll never Because someone yeah. else is 60% ready to do it, but they think they're 100% ready to do it. And and they're so, going to do it. Yeah. So then you, they, they accelerate your whole timeline. So we had a couple, we had one, you know, good quarter there. We were all unified and all the same coaching t-shirts. And then just this was, you know, part of what made me see the exit and heading back home was not a lot of vision on the economies of scale. All very siloed off people are as quickly as possible looking to like silo off themselves and not get screwed business wise so kind of short-sighted i could wax on about why uh -huh. you know cultural revolution eroded the trust in society now people are very looking out for number one all the time in a rush always trying to build yeah. fences and moats um so we opened that one had a great season there we opened the third one across town between the second and the third two others had opened up and so there's not, not affiliated with you, not affiliated, but like I had trained their coaches. You knew, you knew <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the market's huge. There's 15, you know, there's like <laughs> yeah. 12 million people, but yeah. even if 10% are interested in working out in this, in this way, you know, 
a yeah. huge number of people, and I only need 40, 50 per day, and there's millions of people out millions. here. Millions. Literally millions. Million. of people yeah. could work out. Um, and it was just really challenging to, to approach it the way I coach, the way I approach coaching and team stuff, which is there's huge opportunities if we're on the same team, but to constantly be faced with we're dissolving our Start relationship <laughs> yeah. or the guy you trained is now quit but hasn't told you and now coaching over yeah. there. Um, so I was now 31 and a half or so. And, uh, you know, my original plan was three years. This is now year six and a half. And so it was time to come home. It was kind of sudden, but, you know, I wouldn't be able to do that now is open something that required so much energy and just trust and faith and just good for, you know, yeah. society. So I'm really happy we did it. And then, uh, a friend of mine was coaching in my department here and interviewed with the principal and went back to China two weeks later, was teaching at Galileo, February of 2017. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So you're back. So you're here, but you still own it. We own our third. Yep. So you still you're still in touch, obviously. Still in touch. It's going well despite the lockdown the last month. Um, they've done a couple, you know, paint jobs and yeah. refurbishing things. Do you go back once a year? Well, your your wife's family's there. Haven't been back since. Oh, really? Been super busy here, and then the last two years have been a travel lockdown. nightmare. Yeah. So, um, I keep tabs on WeChat. There's a big <laughs> there's a big group. I see the videos and the team photos. They, okay. you know, they do like a team photo after each class. Yeah. A lot of varying degrees of flexing going on. Yeah. Can you send me one of those for yeah, the Yeah, for, the for sure. All right. And then, uh, so you got plans for any other entrepreneurial things in, in the future here in San Francisco? San Francisco is a, a Wild West too. Yeah. Um, not immediately, but excited that uh i think coaching in general has just become way more elevated i think even 15 years ago coaching was a guy with the tracksuit and the whistle just yelling yeah and now there's just so much more appreciation and opportunity for coaches right personal coaches corporate coaches uh, the warriors bench has nine coaches on there yeah. now you know <laughs> yeah. um so before coaching always felt like the icing on the cake you know like the can be myself, can can imprint what I think is a good way to run a team, establish that feeling, that magic. I've been blessed to be on some amazing teams myself and just passing on those yeah, those feelings and updating them for the current audience. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so looking forward to whatever coaching opportunities are out there. Um, nothing clear now, but it's been cool to see that industry realm be able to grow this way. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I know that I know the kids at this school appreciate your your coaching. Appreciate that. Um, so yeah, so I think uh, I feel like we're the story's not over yet. Like you're still with with Flying Tiger, still kind of Flying one, Tigers one rolling foot in. Yeah, fourth year as the uh, head coach of the women's teams here. Yeah, and uh, this will be my sixth season as the uh, baseball assistant. So All right. been really blessed to have a schedule that reminds me of my 16, 17 year old self, <laughs> you know, get here early, make sure my homework is done and then train up all afternoon. Yeah. Good times. Good times. I want to shift real quick. Just pick your brain on, on Asian Americans in sport. We've had a good year in, in sports. We have the MLB MVP is a dude from Asia. Yeah. Golf. We have a couple titles, you know, yeah. Colin Morikawa, Cal Bear, go yeah. bears. Uh, Olympics, we got Suni Lee, gymnastics, and then in winter we're looking at Nathan Chan and Chloe Kim, of course. Yep. Do you think, um, yep. 
as a country that they're starting, you know, the country's starting to warm up to Asian American athletes. I know Jeremy Lin had a little bit of a rough go, you know, five, eight years ago. Yeah. But I, I feel like the country's a little more warmed up to it now that we're seeing it. Absolutely. I think, I think on the male side, I think we're getting to a point of Asian men are just like every other men. Right, there's studs and dorks, and they're yeah. not all on one side of the of the right, spectrum. Right, um, that's been really encouraging. Uh, Tyler Rapp is playing yeah. this weekend against our Niners. Yeah, yeah. Uh, from I think with the University of Washington, Nathan is on a yeah crazy tear of dominance. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's yeah, it's interesting to see. I grew up playing in the Asian leagues. Uh-huh. My brother, my brother was uh, he played at Santa Cruz. Um, you play for the Taisho or played for Taisho. Okay. My brother played uh, for Santa Cruz, and then he played ten years at the Pro Am League at, in Kizar. Okay, yeah, yeah. So it's cool to see like all those little moments, kind of prep or build to these bigger, more national moments. The national ones are yeah. few and far between, right? It takes an Olympics, but if you go to uh, you know the Kizar Summer Games, Skyline will have an Asian point guard from the peninsula. Yeah, you know, yeah. there'll be someone who's playing D two somewhere. Irvine or yeah. yeah it's becoming uh, normalized and common so are the racist reactions to it a lot of people aren't ready for it um, but it's taken you know decades of Asian leagues and you know look at Galileo a ton of the coaches are Asian American men yeah I feel really proud to be part of this basketball coaching staff yeah. um, coach Mark was the coach here when I was a player in high school. Coach <laughs> Lee was the coach at Wash when I was a player. Right. Mr. Wan's my department head, and he was my brother's JV coach. Uh-huh. So for many that's of our, yeah, you know, our team is primarily Chinese and very Asian. Uh, some of them are from Chinatown. And when they come here, that's very smoothed out. Yeah. You know, there's not, there's not, that's one of the awesome competencies of Galileo is I think it's a assimilation hack. Uh-huh. I think people get, <laughs> 30 years of American Americanization in four. If you've ever seen a song and yell, you can just see what the freshmen look like all the way to seniors. Like things are happening very quickly, inflecting points every day. Yeah, yeah. And sports are a big part of that. And, you know, Asian kid comes here and I'm not sure how he feels about being an Asian athlete. But, you know, in the first week of practice, the coaches are all serving. Yeah. And it's just normal. Yeah. And then you go to see other schools and it's becoming less obvious the colors of the people playing and just the right. quality of the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, good, good take, good take. All right, man. That was a that was a fun little journey down the Xi'an CrossFit road. Still going. Do you know how many gyms there are now in Xi'an? It's got to be dozens. So yeah, so we dropped our affili- our official CrossFit affiliation, as did many uh, gyms. It just wasn't a necessary financial outlay to pay the yearly thing. So I don't I don't have an exact number, but you know I trust in the cosmos and I trust in the the positive energy I put out there. And there's a lot of coaches, a lot of gyms and classes that wouldn't be happening if, without that leap of faith in 2015. Kind of cool, so, yeah. 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 All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for Side Dish number 10. Thanks, Matt, for coming in, chatting a little sports. And Thank you, Mr. Fitness. Chin, for having me. Anytime. And uh, for those of you listening, thanks for listening to our show. And you know how to reach us. You can email us at infatuationpodcastgmail.com or follow us on Instagram or Facebook at The Infatuation Podcast. Uh, uh, did you know that you can now leave a review, not a review, you can leave a rating on Spotify? I did not know that. Well, now you know. So anyone out there listening on Spotify, you can give us a five-star review on Spotify. Apple, you've always been able to do that. So give us a five-star 
rating on Apple or leave us a review. I, I actually offered a dollar for every review that someone writes on, on Apple. So just leave your Venmo handle in your review and I'll, I'll send you a dollar if you give <laughs> us a review. We hope that you're happy, healthy, and safe out there and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks everyone. Take care. <laughs> happy New Year. All right. And that's a wrap. Wrap.